0: Before we get going with this week's show, a word from our friends at Santa Anita Park, and we have a mandatory payout coming up this weekend. The Santa Anita 20-cent Rainbow Pick 6 jackpot must go on Saturday, March the 19th. Assuming it does not get scooped, the estimated pool should exceed $4 million. Free Equibase past performances, racing information, and expert analysis all available at SantaAnita.com. Again, Saturday, March the 19th, a mandatory payout. Of the rainbow six be sure you get involved now on to episode 107 what's happening welcome to the matt bernier show part of the in the money media network my name is matt bernier you can follow me on twitter at bernier underscore matt today is monday march the 14th 2022 it's episode 107 of the pod, however you listen, thank you for doing so many ways to find the show. You can listen anywhere you download your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com You can also watch along over on YouTube, search bar Matt Burner your show. You get this episode along with the 106 prior, and as always, wherever you take this thing in, please rate, review, subscribe if you're over on YouTube, make sure the bell icon's lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money media channel. It is 12.07 on Monday. Got a lot to unpack. We're going to be going over Derby prep from this past weekend. That was the Tampa Bay Derby. Going to be doing a little bit of catch-up. Going back looking at the prep races for the Oaks from last weekend and from this past weekend. Going to be looking at the NCAA tournament. Starts tomorrow night technically with the first round of the 68 games, whatever you want to call them. But I'm going to go through and give you picks for the entirety. Of the first round, Thursday and Friday, the first two days. I've gone through, run the games through my model. I'll give you what the model says. There's a couple places where I'm going to zag, where it zigs. Zag, no pun intended, Gonzaga. And I'll give you my pick to win the national championship. Uh, I won't go through and give you the final four and the Sweet 16 and all that jazz. But the team that I'm going to hopefully ride to prosper and in the grand scheme of things, probably won't be anything too crazy. But point being, we'll go over the NCAA tournament at the end. I say it's 12.07 because, if you'll recall, back to last week's show, talked about the Players' Championship and that there was weather and it could be blown sideways and all hell could break loose. Well, they're still playing. Uh, the final round for some of these guys has already teed off. Uh, my big charge, Kevin Kisner, we gave out last week at 200-1. to 1. He is three shots back, and he tees off in about 19 minutes from now. So... Yeah, uh, You know, not impossible, especially with the guys that are ahead of him. No no disrespect to, you know, Anurban Lahiri or, you know, Van Royen or Doug Gim or Sebastian Munoz. It's not like you've got Rom and Justin Thomas and, you know, all those guys in front of him. Maybe it's not likely, but it's far from impossible. And at 201, I mean, look, if you can pull it off, I'll... Uh, I'll make out pretty well. So let's hope. Here's to hoping. And if I'm recording and you're watching this as opposed to listening to it, you probably won't get it as much with the listening piece. But if I keep looking up at the TV, uh, it's because I'm, I'm checking things out. Louis Ustazian is also, it's, boy, that would be really, really be bittersweet for me if Louis were the one to end up winning and beating Kisner and knocking me out of a five-figure payday. Neither here nor there. Uh, let's get into it, okay? Because there are, I think there's a lot to unpack, maybe with... Without any kind of outrageous or ridiculous results. And there's even some news, some storylines that are worth touching on when we get to the Oaks Phillies. But let's start with the big one from Saturday, the Tampa Bay Derby. It, classic Causeway did what he was supposed to do. I, I don't think there's anyone who was really all that stunned at his victory uh he won in rather impressive fashion all things considered but when you're four to five you're supposed to go out there and win rather comfortably he went right to the front the same way that he did winning the Sam F Davis draws off wins for fun the speed figures there is some discrepancy there I thought Craig Milkowski from Timeform US sort of summed it up very very well and the reason that the Timeform US fig is higher than the buyer speed figure is uh, the buyer comes in at 84. The Timeform US Fig is somewhere around 114. Uh, I don't think it's officially published yet, but that's what Craig put out on Twitter, on social media. He is at Timeform US Figs, I believe, is his handle. Um, don't quote me there, but if you search that, you'll be able to find Craig. And in my opinion, he is as good as there is as far as the figs are concerned. Uh, look, I'm not going to get into the timing situation. I'll leave that to the professional. Uh, but just purely my opinion on the horse, I didn't. We didn't really learn anything. He's a good horse. He's a talented horse. The one thing that I'd throw out there, whether you believe the buyer or you are in line with the Timeform U.S. camp, let the buyer at 84, the Timeform U.S. fig at 114, roughly 94 from a buyer standpoint. The only concern with Classic Causeway, twofold. I think he's beaten two terrible fields down at Tampa. I don't think I, I don't think you're going to get really anything out of either, as far as the also rants are concerned, especially early on. Maybe they'll turn into something down the road, late three-year-olds into a four-year-old season, or doing something different. I've talked about that. Everybody gets Derby fever this time of year. They end up wanting to go to maybe you've got a turf horse, maybe you've got a, a sprinter, whatever it may be. But people want to find out if you can get to the, you know, the first Saturday in May if you can get to the Kentucky Derby. I don't think Classic Cause was beating anything in these two races. And, again, whether you believe the buyer of 84 or the time-form US fig of 114, which is roughly a 94, uh, he's not getting much faster. He's not slow, but he's not particularly fast. He earned a 90 in his career debut. He's yet to eclipse that from a buyer standpoint. Again, if you want to use the time-form US fig, then he has eclipsed it, but only marginally. And he's done it with really nice... He went fast in the run two-back. Don't get me wrong. But for a horse of his caliber against inferior company, he's had pretty advantageous situations. Go to the front. You don't have to worry about trip or any of that kind of stuff. You just go on with it. You're better than everybody else. Brian Lynch uh, is making it sound like they're going to run him back at least one more time. I think that's a perfect call. I I hate... the, The beauty and the curse of the Tampa Bay Derby being where it is, is it enables connections to say, we've got our points. We are going to train up for the next two months to the Kentucky Derby when all of your other competition is going to get at least one more race. In some instances, two. If somebody was really, really trying to get, you know, crazy with something, or you had a wicked trip or whatever the case may be. But I like the fact that Not only is he going to get another race between now and the first Saturday in May, despite the fact that he's got the points that he needs, but he's also going to face better horses. And I think for all of us from a handicapping standpoint, it's going to be a proper test to find out where does he stack up. And even if he's not, you know, cranked, 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 if it's purely to make sure that we get some fitness and he's going to be ready to go at the beginning of May you're going to get a decent idea of where he stacks up against some, in theory, better horses. I can't imagine the fields, and I don't mean to make it sound like I'm just dumping all over the horses that ran at Tampa, but you would think you're going to get better horses in the bluegrass, assuming that's where he goes at Keeneland. You would just think there's, there has to be better. He's run well at Keeneland in the past. He, he finished really well considering the dynamics of that Breeders Futurity back as a two-year-old last October. I think he's a good horse, My big takeaway from this win has very little to do with the horse himself. You remember last week I brought up Forbidden Kingdom and the one thing that we knew, whether you like the horse as a win contender or not, is that he would ensure that there's pace in the Kentucky Derby. Well, you look at it now, the horses that have 150 50-point preps. Classic Causeway, Speed. Forbidden Kingdom, Speed. Epicenter, Speed. You Three of your main charges are horses that are either dependent on the lead to this point anyway, or have proven that they do their absolute best when they have the lead which is the case for most horses, if we're being honest, but these three horses, assuming they all get to the gate at Churchill, I mean, this is going to be not just a a fast pace, but I think a rather competitive pace. And maybe this is finally the year where things change up a little bit. By the way, haven't mentioned some other horses that have got early speed, early voting up in New York, who knows how he'll come back. But assuming he shows back up in the wood, we know how fast he is. The way that he won what was it the Withers or whatever race it was, going nine furlongs at the Big A. I mean, the, the the paces in the Kentucky Derby have been more moderate over the past handful of years. And despite the fact that you've had some instances where you've had fast paces as far as the clock is concerned, it it's been the fractions have been cut out by horses who have been doing it rather comfortably. Think back to last year with Medina Spirit. His ears were up the whole way. He's going 46-3, and 46-4, and 4, something like that. You see some of these other horses that have been forwardly placed throughout. This year, though, not that these horses are runoffs. I brought up my concern with Forbidden Kingdom. But point being, if they all want to occupy the same position, and if for whatever reason one or two of them don't shut off, And they kind of bulk up and say, woof, you know, we're going. And this thing all of a sudden, instead of being a comfortable, when I say comfortable, within, well, within themselves, 46 and 4, 47 for the half, if all of a sudden now it's a little bit of a a horse race through that opening half mile, then they're going 46 and 2. Two-fifths of a second, three-fifths of a second may not sound like much, but when you're going a mile and a quarter, that could be a massive difference. I, I'm getting more and more to the point of, okay, who am I going to look for in that next flight? Who am I going to look for that that could come possibly from three to four off of it, or maybe not even that far. But if assuming all these horses go, you would think the pace is going to be fast enough that even the horses that maybe on paper look like stalkers are probably going to have to come from a little bit farther off of it. If these Colts all decide to line up and go. I think Classic was a good horse. I mean, he's he's proven that from day one. Might be a little one-dimensional despite the fact that he did pass horses in the Kentucky Jockey Club, but I think he's at his best when he's on the lead, which again, you can say that about most horses. But boy, with him, with Forbidden Kingdom, if early voting gets in, epicenter, you've got, you've got four horses right there who have, I would say, above-average early speed. That's not including Messier, who's not a slow horse by any stretch of the imagination. That's not including a horse like White Abario, who's not a slow horse. He's not going to be on the lead, probably, but he would be very close to it. You know, there are a number of horses who look like they want to go. It, it it could be a very intriguing dynamic. It could make, I don't want to say make the race more interesting, but I feel like it's a fact. Ever since the point system has been implemented to the Kentucky Derby, you've had very formful races. I think mainly because you've eliminated, we've talked about it in the past, you've eliminated the stretch out sprinter that, based on earnings, has enough to get in. And throws a 45 and four half. Any other horse that's relatively close gets cooked, and that's that. And you can set up for something wacky. You've eliminated that with the point system. And now you get these rather formful results because the horses that are forward are typically the best routers. Well, that still may end up being the case. Maybe this will end up being a merry-go-round where those four horses, they all line up or they kind of jockey amongst one another, and they're just the four best horses. But if they all go, who's to say you don't get a Smile Happy or a Zandon or, you know, a Mo Donegal or one of these horses that has, doesn't have to come from a hundred out of it, but would appreciate them knocking heads a little bit. I just think it could make the race much more interesting overall, put it that way, from an entertainment standpoint and possibly from a gambling standpoint. Does it mean you'll identify the best horse? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think it's a, a really intriguing possibility that I've already ripped off four horses who could be, in any other year, you would think could be the leader. I mean, purely on on early speed, these horses are at least as fast, if not faster than Medina Spirit was last year. Forbidden Kingdom is probably the fastest out of any of these horses that we've seen that, that would be deemed a pace setter over the past few years classic causeway i would venture a guess looking at some based on the pace figs that he's earned already that he is right there comparable anyway early on with a horse like medina spirit early voting went off the charts fast in his race we'll find out if a he can harness that a little bit b if he's actually that good but he's fast an epicenter As much as I would like in the next race, the Louisiana Derby, which is in a few weeks' time, for them to try to sit off of a target just for this exact reason, I mean, his best game so far seems like when they go with him. So uh, it's just a really fun, dynamic, classic causeway. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a good horse. I'm a little fearful about this potential pace situation in Louisville, but I love what the connection is doing. We're going to run him one more time, probably going to be at Keeneland. He's going to, in theory, take on better horses. And even if you're not in it to win it, and I know that sounds sort of taboo or whatever, but that could genuinely be a prep where some of these other horses need points to get in. You've got yours. I don't know that I'd be going into it saying, we're not trying to win, but I can understand if you want to go into it and say, look, we just need to get a good blow out of him. And then from there, we can take a step forward. We don't need to drain the tank in this race. The big goal is in four weeks time. I just wonder about his ability to pass horses if he needs to at that level. We'll find out in time. He's a nice horse. They've done everything right with him so far. And I like that they have just, I don't want to say picked good spots, but there's something to be said about slowly ramping him up. I can sit here and question the the company that he's been keeping, but that may end up being a positive where he's not having these crazy hard races early on, but he's getting... He's basically ticking the boxes that he needs in order to hopefully peak at the right time, which is in eight weeks. I'm going to give the prep rating an eight and only because of this horse, because I think he is good. And again, when I'm talking about these prep ratings, it's horses that will have an effect on their respective race, whether it's the Derby or the Oaks. He may not win, but given his running style, he's going to be involved in this thing at some point. And it's a matter of, is he good enough? We'll find out, but he could certainly muddy things for anybody else that's forwardly placed. Classic Causeway sweeps the Tampa Bay races as far as the Kentucky Derby Trail is concerned. 84 buyer speed, figure 114, thereabouts, time form US rating, a little bit of a discrepancy there. Either way, not the fastest of his generation, needs to improve, but has done nothing wrong. He's done what he's needed to do in Tampa. Now it's time to take the show on the road and see if you can do it against better horses. Let me know your thoughts about Classic Causeway and the Tampa Bay Derby beneath the video player on YouTube. Now let's shift our attention to the Phillies, because we've got some races to make up from last week. We've also heard some news about Secret Oath and some other runners, so let's dive into that part now. Before we get into Oak's talk, and we'll start with sort of the little news nugget as opposed to going back and looking at the races, a word from our friends at Sam Houston Race Park. Make plans to head on down to Houston for an NHC qualifier on March 26th at Sam Houston Race Park. $1,000 entry fee is all bankroll and you keep what you have left. Tour points will be available and the top two finishers will win all expenses paid trips to the NHC in February of 2023. More details are available at shrp.com. Sam Houston Race Park, be sure to head on down there. I will again be on the Late Show this week with guest host. Nick Tamaro. We talked about some races last week, and we will do the same this weekend while PTF is off over in Europe. Okay, let's talk about the news nugget before we dive into actually going back and looking at some of the prep races from the week prior. Secret Oath is going to go to the Arkansas Derby to run against the boys. I had mentioned it when we talked about that run. Of, what was it, the fantasy? Honeybee, whatever the race is. At this point, what do you have to lose? That was my thought. Because you can always work backwards. If for whatever reason she finds it a little bit too tough running against the boys, fine. You've got your Oaks points. You're running the Kentucky Oaks. You need one more race no matter what. At least with the Derby, the Arkansas Derby, not only will you get that prep, but you, if you're good enough, you could get points for either enough points to get into both races and you can decide at that point to see how she's working into it i don't even know what the rules are i guess technically she could probably cross enter enter both oaks and derby and pick at that point but i just thought it made all the sense in the world and now wayne lucas has come out saying you know the the connections they want to have keep their options open uh i've seen some people say it's silly i've seen some people say they should wait for the preakness this that and the other i mean again keep in mind if you're, I've seen a lot of people bring up the idea of, you know, girls taking on the boys this early, it can ruin them, this, that, and the other. Just purely on the numbers, purely on the numbers, you, ne- you never know what's going to ship in from out of town. But as far as the local boys are concerned, who are you afraid of? Which one of those horses, which one of the males in Arkansas right now are, would you be so terrified as to run against, in fear of ruining this filly, who, by the way, she kind of reminds me of her old man, Arrowgate, who just kind of thrived on going after it. And again, he burned bright for a really short amount of time. Hopefully that's not the case with her. But my point is, it would be one thing if you were considering a spot and there was, I don't know, it'd be one thing if you were considering the California path. Okay, and I'm, I'm just going to use that because you've got two big horses out there, Forbidden Kingdom and Messier. Yeah, I, I would totally understand if you had a Philly out in Southern California and the fear or the thought was, boy, you're going to ruin her if you go up against both of those guys. Totally, I get that. But that's not the case in Arkansas. And who knows? Maybe one of those horses will ship to Arkansas or somebody from somewhere else will come into town. But I just what's wrong with having options and guess what I maybe I'm being a, a little you know aggressive with this statement if she gets cooked from running in the Arkansas Derby she's not that good point blank period on paper she fits in there I think this is the right move if you don't love the way it goes let's say she finishes fourth fine You don't go to the Kentucky Derby. You've already got your Oaks points. You've already had your prep. And in theory, maybe she gets class relief. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to take it another step. Remember what I was just talking about? And maybe some of you don't agree. But with the way that race could set up, the Kentucky Derby, doesn't Secret Oath have a beautiful running style for that race right now? Just saying, if they all go, and she she sits... And comes with her run again i I just i don't think there's a great deal to lose i don't think she's gonna get cooked by taking on the boys especially a group of subpar boys at that it'd be one thing if again if she was dealing with multiple multiple really salty runners but she's not i think she fits in there as i pause to watch kevin kisner's second shot oh second shot into one he's probably got 15 feet for birdie okay i'll take it um I just think it's a smart move. You could argue that the Phillies division, top to bottom, is deeper, maybe not quite as fast, but they're not far off. You could argue that it's a deeper group than the boys right now. You really could. So if I'm, and and by the way, if you're going to have anyone go into battle with a Philly against the boys, who would you rather do it with than Lucas? The man's done it before. Who's to say you can't do it again? I think it's the right move. Now, having said all that, when you look at some of these other girls, and I say having said all that, it's, uh, maybe that, that's a poor transition. Fig-wise, no, she's not off the charts fast. 91, 92, she needs to improve. But who's to say that doesn't happen? who's to say she doesn't take a step forward so yes if your argument is right now she wouldn't be a shoe-in against the girls you're right but to me that's not a reason not to try the boys that makes sense that's just my feeling let me know what your thoughts are beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt as we transition into a race that you know go back to the run in new york and the gotham last week with Morello that I had mentioned. I don't typically put too much stock into one-turn events as far as a a derby prep is concerned. Same goes for an Oaks prep, but similar to the Morello instance, I think the filly that won down at Gulfstream last week is really good. I think Kathleen O has a great deal of talent. My fear is she's got a lot of stuff to work out between now and the first Friday in May. She's got the connections on her side for shug to have a filly this good this early i think speaks volumes to her potential she's still not a good gate horse she drops rather far back she doesn't really run the turns all that well but once she levels off on the straight she finishes really really well i think she's a very talented filly i like the way that she got the job done especially when javier had her in behind horses waiting 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 Really, until just inside the quarter pole, and then he was able to get her out, split horses, and she finished. At Gulfstream, that's not the easiest thing to do. Having said that, it's worth noting that race fell apart from a pace standpoint. All the horses that were forward finished basically last, second to last, and fourth. The horses that rallied from last, second to last, and third to last came back to run one, two, three. I think Kathleen O has a lot of talent. I don't know. I mean, the logical step from here is the Gulfstream Oaks. I would be... You know, I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You don't need to to ship somewhere else. I wouldn't mind seeing her do it somewhere else. Just because Gulfstream can be a little bit quirky. And I don't know if they would bring her to New York. Well, like Again, why would you? I understand. She's in Florida. The race is there. You might as well just continue on that path. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, the Ashland is one that keeps coming to mind for me where I, I don't have this is there, nothing more than a personal feel. I don't have any data to back this up. In fact, I could be completely wrong in this sort of theory. The idea of I just like that path to Louisville as opposed to going through Florida. I just do. Maybe because the Florida Phillies have been so bad over the past few years. Uh, but I do think Kathleen O's got some ability. We'll find out what other Phillies, and I guess this is also something to keep in mind. Who is she going to have to run against in the Gulf Stream Oaks? Probably no one. The Ashland could end up being a salty race because it is basically year in and year out. Many connections point for Keeneland. And, I mean, again, if you've got to deal with this field, why not just stay home and get your points and move on? Uh, Kathleen O wins rather impressively she earns uh, an 85 buyer speed figure winning the Devona Dale again don't typically look at the one turn miles as races that you can glean much as far as a race like the Kentucky Oaks or the Kentucky Derby is concerned but she's looked good in all three starts she's got some things that she's got to work out the starts are a problem again I don't think she really loves running around the turns but once she hits a straight boy She kicks, and that could work very well at Churchill Downs, that long stretch run. Let me know what your thoughts are about Kathleen O beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. From a prep rating standpoint, I'm going to give this an 8 because I do believe she could be kind of a sneaky one, especially if she gets a little bit of pace in front of her, maybe if she starts to break a little bit better. Kathleen O could be an intriguing alternative to some of the other more fancied fillies as far as the Oaks are concerned. Another one of those that fits into the one-turn-mile category that I typically wouldn't give the time of day to, but the performance was good, and she's done some pretty good work already at two turns. Venti Valentine in the busher for Jorge Abreu. Last weekend, first start since the beginning of December, where she went two turns in the Demoiselle. I love the fact that she has good tactical speed. She's a filly that can get up involved in the run early, but she's not one that's going to be contesting things. The reason I also want to give her a little bit more extra credit is because of how well she ran in that Demoiselle last year. I thought that was a really good effort. I've gone on record saying, despite the fact that she's not fast on figs, I'm a big fan of Nest, the Pletcher trainee. I think she's pretty good. She looked really good at Tampa a few weeks ago. Venti Valentine comes back in the busher. My only concern, if I'm going to throw any kind of cause for pause out there with Venti Valentine, There's a couple. One, the New York path to Louisville has not been a productive one, boys or girls, for quite some time. Just hasn't. Two, when she turned for home at the top of the lane, she's got her head cocked out to the grandstand. And it took Manny Franco a minute to kind of get her to focus, but then she looked over again. Could purely just be a little bit of a quirky thing. But not ideal, I'm being nitpicky, but I think you have to be nitpicky when you're looking for horses who could possibly win the biggest race for their crop, period. I don't think the pedigree is any kind of a problem, mile on an eighth, I don't think it's going to be an issue for her. From a fig standpoint, she earned a 92 from a buyer standpoint, and a Timeform US rating of 113, pace adjusted, 110, non-pace adjusted. I mean, she's fast right now, that's good. Assuming she takes another step forward stretches this out to two turns with that good tactical speed, there's every reason to think Fenty Valentine could be a legitimate player, assuming she can buck the trend of the subpar form that the New York path to Louisville has produced. I have no issue with this race. Another race I have no issue with is the Santa Isabel, which happened last Sunday out at Santa Anita. Now, this is a two-turn race, and despite the fact that the winner, Ida, was quite good. She earned a buyer speed figure of 88 that day. I'm more interested, oh, and by the way, I I give the Busher a prep rating of eight. Because I do, again, believe in Venti Valentine. I thought it was a pretty good effort. Again, little little nitpicky things that I didn't love, but in the grand scheme, no reason to think she can't move forward for starting three months. The Santa Anita race on Sunday is a really intriguing one to me for a few reasons. Ada gets the job done for Baffert, wins in gate to wire fashion, 110 time form US rating. buyer she gets an 88. So the numbers more or less jive. She wins in gate to wire fashion. It's the best race of her career from a FIG standpoint. I've never been the biggest fan of hers. I think she's fine. I don't think she's a superstar. She's a grade one winner, so you can't take that away from her. But I think the water is going to get considerably deeper for her. And in a funny way, I I said it when we talked about the Santa Inez way back at the beginning of January. I think Under the Stars could be a superstar. And I know she didn't win this race. But I, she just, I don't know. She's She's got, when I'm watching her run, I think she's got it. This is her first time out to two turns i think she's going to appreciate as much distance as she can get i already brought up his name earlier when talking about secret oath there's a direct connection between secret oath and arrogate other than the baffert factor with arrogate under the stars when she runs i I would suggest if if you're curious to figure out what what i'm trying to get at if you can run side by sides of the way arrogate runs and the way this philly runs they just remind me so much of one another. Just their stride and their... I, I feel like she's, she's a hot rod. She's not a sports car. She's, you know, a 67 Mustang. Just breathing fire. And again, she didn't win this race. Half length is the final margin of defeat. She technically went backwards as far as the speed figures are concerned from a 91 to an 87. That doesn't bother me right now. First time out to two turns with the ground loss that she had to deal with. And the fact that at the top of the lane, the top two, or I say the top two, Ida and Ain't Easy, who's making her first start as a three-year-old, kind of scooted away from her for under the stars to then find that stride in deep stretch and really be kicking on. She galloped out strong. I think she's still figuring some things out. You got to give her, you know, kudos for that was the first time going a around of ground carrying a lot of ground certainly could argue just purely from distance that she traveled much more than a half length between these two first and second i think under the stars has the potential to be a serious serious racehorse one of the best if not the best three-year-old filly and i'm including echo zulu i'm including secret oath and any of these other girls that we've talked about Maybe it's not for the Kentucky Oaks. Maybe she's going to be one that it takes a little bit longer to really hit her peak. But boy, I, I I just love everything I've seen from Under the Stars. I think she has untapped potential. And no, on figs, she's not the fastest. Heck, she didn't even win this race. But I, I think Under the Stars could be could be a serious serious racehorse i think she could be very similar to a dare manor but i think under the stars in my opinion has more upside let me know what your thoughts are about both of these preps that we just talked about the busher the santa isabel which by the way both of them eights eights crazy eights today all the preps are getting eights I, i think there's a lot of potential with the horses that we've seen produce solid efforts in all these prep races over the past two weeks. And I think with a filly like this, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not giving Ada any credit. I mean, she went out there and she got the job done. But I think the ceiling for her is not nearly as high as it is for Under the Stars. I think Under the Stars has a considerable, considerable amount of potential, and her ceiling is much, much higher than that of Ada's. That's just my opinion. Let me know if you agree or disagree. If there are any other horses that we need to talk about. By the way, I will quickly touch on... Someone asked me what my thoughts were about command performance and the fact that he lost at, you know, 1 to 5,000. I mean, look, he's still a maiden. He's yet to win. They gave him Lasix. They put blinkers on. First start off of a lengthy layoff. Maybe you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But truth be told, he's not getting any better. Maybe he was just a two-year-old that had good form. I still love the path you got to take your shots when you think you have an opportunity going back to the whole secret oath thing why would you not take a shot here this is probably as good a scenario as you're going to find you might as well with command performance as a two-year-old they took their shots in the graded stakes he fit in there on a fig standpoint he couldn't quite get it done so far now now he's going to be one of those horses that is an underlay until proven otherwise for the most part because you're Well, a he should. I mean, that that's an impossibly short price, one to twenty or one to fifty, whatever it was. But at this point now, I mean, maybe you got to get back to Belmont. I don't know where you want to go with him from here. But that was certainly a disappointing performance. Only a seventy nine buyer, but um, yeah, I mean, he's he's just not that good right now. He's he's not a Triple Crown kind of horse right now. He's just not. He hasn't taken a step forward or he hasn't shown that he's taken a step forward. Maybe in time he will. Second time with Blinkers, maybe that'll be the key. But right now, no, he's he's not even worth really talking about outside of the fact that I loved him as a two-year-old and I thought he would be a major, major horse. And so far, he's just not delivered on that. I, I was alarmed at the Breeders' Cup. And again, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile is not coming back as the strongest outside of Pinehurst. And even he is, you know, debatable you know what you want to do with that form but um yeah i was disappointed with that performance out in san diego and this one much of the same thought it's very disappointing needs to find quite a bit if he's going to be considered anything really as far as three-year-olds are concerned again any of the horses we've talked about so far questions comments horses that haven't been discussed beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt those of you that don't care about the ncaa tournament you are free to go Chat again next week. Those of you that are curious about all the first round games and a pick at a price-ish 20 plus to one to win the national championship. Stick around. My handicapping these days is predominantly done with models I put together that just crunch numbers, spit out a result, and you take a lot of the, the biases out of play. In theory, anyway. Doesn't always work, and you have to always take into consideration odds when you're looking for any kind of an edge. But, point being, I'm not not watching hardly any of these teams. I shouldn't say that. I watch a lot of teams. And I'm talking about college basketball at the moment. I watch a lot of these games. I can't name hardly any players uh, in the country, period. So, what you're going to get from me is... I put it all into the model. It spits it out based on the matchups, factor in a couple different things, go from there. As far as brackets are concerned, pick a couple of upsets with the close games with higher seeds, but I only do it typically when I have whoever wins that matchup getting bounced in the next round anyway. I don't think it does you any good just to try to do silly things just for the sake of doing silly things. I think you need to there's some element of reason that goes into it. So, let's start with the playing games. Okay? I'm going to go through the first two rounds, the play-ins and then the Thursday-Friday games. I'll give you the three bets that I've made already and who I'm going to bet for the national championship, who I've picked for the national championship and brackets and pools and things like that. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Texas Southern. I've got Texas Southern winning 69-67. to 67. I'm just going to rip through these. Indiana over Wyoming, 69-67. to 67. Bryant losing. To Wright State, 79-78. to Sorry, one of my best friends, Nick. He went to Bryant. Notre Dame, 67. Rutgers, 66. Notre Dame moves on. Okay? Playing games. Out of the way. Here we go. Thursday. Michigan, 73. Colorado State, 72. That's an 11 over a 6. Which really isn't that crazy when you think about it. I remember when I was younger, you'd always hear the, oh man, you know, The 11 over the 6. Well, when you think about it, a top 25, okay, considering there are four brackets, four regions, top 25 in the country, that means it's the top six in each region plus one seven seed. Like, it's not an impossible, we're not talking about scrub teams. So an 11 over a 6 really isn't all that crazy. A 12 over a 5 isn't that crazy go a little farther down, maybe it starts to get a little bit funky. But, but not impossible. So again, Michigan 73, Colorado State 72. I got Michigan winning. Here's one where the model says one thing, but because it's so close, I'm going the opposite direction. And guess what? I think this is going to be the trendy pick of all trendy picks. So do with this what you will. My model has Providence Defeating South Dakota State 76-74. to 74. One thing I do know about South Dakota State, because I've watched them a ton, is they ju- it's like a track meet. And they're chucking up shots from all over the place. It'll be an entertaining game. I'll leave it at that. I don't know if it's going to be a productive game. Providence, while my model has them winning, I'm picking South Dakota State. Because I have either team losing next round anyway, and I think this is one that maybe you can get a little bit cute with, have some fun. I believe the spread is two also on this game. Chris Felica tweeted out something about this and just the overall sort of dynamic about whenever a 13 matchup has had a spread, anything close to this, the 13 has won outright. Uh, Boise State 68, Memphis 67, Boise State moves on. Baylor 75, Norfolk State 54, the defending champions move on. Tennessee 72, Longwood 54, Tennessee moves on. And all these numbers are through my... When I run it all, it's not like I'm just pulling numbers out of my rear end. Iowa 82, Richmond 71, Iowa moves on. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, 84. Georgia State 62, Gonzaga moves on. North Carolina 78, Marquette 77, Carolina moves on. Which again, you'll also find a lot of these 8-9 matchups... I mean, shit, flip a coin. You know, it's not like... (laughs) They're very, very evenly matched. There's a reason that those games are genuine coin flips. Connecticut, 70. New Mexico State, 63. UConn moves on. Kentucky, 72. St. Peter's, 55. UK moves on. San Diego State, 62. Creighton, 59. You could make a case for Creighton in here. I went with San Diego State. They're going on. Arkansas, 69. Vermont, 63. I thought about picking Vermont, despite the fact that there's a six-point differential. When I run the numbers, I didn't. I went with the chalk. Arkansas moves on. San Francisco 74, Murray State 72. San Francisco's a 10 seed. I have them moving on outright over Murray State. UCLA 70, Akron 56. The Bears move on. Bruins, Bears. Idiot. Golden Bears are Cal. Bruins are UCLA. I apologize. Loyola, Chicago, Ohio State. Loyola 67, Ohio State 66. Loyola moves on. Auburn 77, Jacksonville State 60, Auburn moves on. Texas Tech 72, Montana State 54, Texas Tech gets the nod. Purdue 79, Yale 63, Purdue, the Boilermakers, they go on. Villanova 74, Delaware 57, Villanova goes on. Fun game, USC 73, Miami 71, Southern Cal moves on by two points. Texas 62, Virginia Tech 60, Texas, the Longhorns, they move on. Illinois 71, Chattanooga 64, Illinois gets the nod Duke 77 Cal State Fullerton 60 the fighting coach Ks move on LSU 65 Iowa State 61. I will tell you what LSU is the team I had the hardest time deciding what to do with because I think they're pretty good the problem is they don't have a coach who was fired and some of the losses recently have just they've been competitive but they've just they haven't been able to get the job done so I can see maybe a case if you're trying to get a little bit cute that's one thing but I just I couldn't bring myself to do it any deeper than, well, we'll we'll talk about it in a bit, but uh, have them moving on. Houston, 73. UAB, 64. Houston gets the job done. Uh, Michigan State, 70. Davidson, 68. Another close one. You could go either way. I went with Sparty. Uh, Wisconsin, 71. Colgate, 61. Wisconsin moves on. Seton Hall, 67. TCU, 66. And another coin flip. Kansas, 93. Texas Southern. By the way, these are now the teams that have moved on from the play-in game. Kansas, 93, Texas Southern 68, Arizona 100, Wright State 73, St. Mary's from California 64, Indiana 63, but I'm picking Indiana, which effectively is the winner of the Indiana Wyoming game. Whoever comes out of that one, I want to take a shot with them over St. Mary's, despite the fact that my model has St. Mary's defeating Indiana by one, and I think Wyoming it was five, but it is what it is. Bama. 83, Notre Dame 79, Bama's another team that their form at the end of the season sucked. But, I mean, mean, if they ever got it together, they could be a Final Four team. They could also lose in the first round. Your guess is as good as mine. My three bets that I've made. Colgate at Wisconsin, under 139.5. San Francisco at Murray State over 137.5. Norfolk State at Baylor under 138. I got all those at minus 110. I have no idea what the numbers look like now, but that's what we've got. Those are the three bets for the Thursday-Friday games. To this point, from a national championship standpoint, it may not be the likeliest scenario. Number of different things can happen. The region seems all over the place i want a hot team maybe they're gonna be i saw a bear tweeting something that they're a little bit of a trendy pick they can score with anyone their defense is meh maybe they're gonna get exposed for playing in a a subpar big 10 totally possible i picked iowa to win the national championship i believe they're 22 to 1 at points bet i think the 25 some other places um they just won the Big Ten championship, tournament championship anyway. Um, and again, they can, they can score. And to be honest with you, this time of year, that is more important than anything to me. Yes, defense is great. I understand. You do need to play good defense. And unfortunately, Iowa, kind of middle of the pack as far as that's concerned. Um, but they have multiple options to score the ball. Iowa, a five seed. My pick to win the national championship. Let me know your thoughts about the ncaa tournament again beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt wrapping up this week's show i'm looking we are on the third hole kevin kisner excuse me the fourth hole kisner's one under already just rolled in a 20 some footer on the par five uh, he is in a fairway bunker at the moment got 130 in you got a tucked left pin right next to water I mean, I'm going to hope. I have no idea what the lie is like in the fairway bunker, and hopefully it'll update here momentarily. But you just try to play this thing to the fat part of the green, try to two-putt, get out of there with a par, and move on. He is two shots off the lead. Two shots off the lead. Bon Lahiri right now at minus nine. It's, um... I guess it's like anything else. With any of these futures or... I mean, this isn't really a future, but the idea of you just want to be in with a chance. That's all on, on day one, on Thursday in round one, he was in with a chance, not only to have the outright lead first round, but to crack top five. And he missed a four footer on 18 that I was just like, crushed me. But it sort of set the tone and my hope anyway, my thought, and I mentioned it last week, I thought, assuming things didn't get jacked up timing wise, That the late early draw would be beneficial instead all hell breaks loose the late early draw is a disaster and he somehow grinded his way through he shot 74 in the midst of the worst of it but I mean you can make a case and I'm not just saying this because I picked and bet the guy but I mean I think he's probably played better than anyone this week given the time that he had to play who knows? Maybe he'll end up flattening out here badly in the uh, final round, but you just want to be in with the chance, and we're in with a chance. I would love, I would love, I would love for this thing to update, but apparently it's not going to before I sign off. So that'll be that. However, you've been listening, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, in the MoneyPodcast.com. You can also watch over on YouTube. Search Bar Map Burney or Show. You will get this episode along with the 106 prior. It's updating Kisner out of the fairway bunker he's now got 35 yards in he somehow did he split the trees way right he missed that little pop bunker to the side of the green i mean he's got a ton of green to work with it just depends on what kind of lie he's got um hopefully we can get up and down a bogey wouldn't be a disaster but you know getting up and down right now kind of feel like he's stealing one anyway back to the sign off uh thoughts questions comments concerns beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at Bernie or underscore matt until next monday when we come back it's gonna be a little bit of a lighter week there's really not much going on as far as derby preps are concerned so we'll see what maybe we'll just do sort of a a pre-final prep round assessment of where everybody stands maybe give you a bit of a pecking order for both the boys and the girls um, but open to all thoughts questions comments the whole nine ideas You know the drill by now. Uh, Until next Monday, when we come back with the next episode. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. This has been episode 107 of the Matt Bernier Show. Come on, kiss.